0: I'm Alicia Michalisek-Kurtz, and welcome to Real Talk, a place where doctors and other healthcare professionals share stories about their real human experiences working in medicine. On today's episode, we'll hear a story from David Lee, an emergency doctor from Southern California who recorded his story live at a Real Talk session in Ontario. No matter what you do for a living, we can all agree that work is inherently stressful, We all have pressure to perform well, to meet deadlines, to make our bosses and our customers happy. And I think in general, we all want that. We want to please the people around us and have them be satisfied with our work. But for those of us working in healthcare, particularly doctors, we have this added, terrible, constant pressure of knowing that if we don't make somebody happy or if we don't do everything perfectly— Or honestly, if something bad happens that we had no control over whatsoever, we can get sued. Now, let's pause for a second because I'm confident for all of you listening, this is not a surprise. Everyone knows doctors get sued. It's all over TV and the news, and everyone knows the term malpractice. And in every list of professionals that get sued the most... We are numbers 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, and 6 on the top 10 list, followed closely by nurses and then, ironically, by lawyers. So we all know this is a thing in medicine, but have you ever stopped to think about what that really means? Going to work every single day with this nebulous threat of getting sued looming over you all the time? Some days it's more palpable than others, certainly, but we all have the voices of our attendings from our training days playing on loop in the back of our brains. Document that. Make sure you also document that. Oh, and are you sure you can say it's not this life-threatening thing? I guess you better do a CT to prove it because the patient wants it. And even though your clinical judgment is 99% right that it's not that thing, you better just get an unnecessary image on the off chance that it is that thing because if it is, they'll sue you. And you don't want that, do you? I mean, seriously, if we're being totally candid here, a decent amount of the tests we order in medicine, the money we spend doing labs and imaging studies, are because of the incredibly high rates of litigation against doctors, and not based on our years and years of clinical training and Gestalt. We go through all these years of education and residency and fellowship only to have our hands tied by Dr. Google and the threat of a malpractice suit if your humanness makes a mistake, or if the medicine was unpredictable, or if the person got sick anyway, even though your clinical judgment and decision-making was right. And then, if you do get sued, how do you come back from that? How do you continue to show up shift after shift and not feel your self-confidence rocked to the core? What's that like, being put on trial for the decisions you devoted years of your life learning to make, because you're human, and still limited by the fact that none of us is perfect, even if we're really, really good at our jobs? This is David's story.
1: Is there a doctor on the plane? I have a friend. She's an excellent radiologist. She's really good at what she does. But if that question comes overhead, she is sure to bury her nose in whatever magazine she's reading. If she doesn't have a magazine, she'll find one. She'll never respond to that call. I, on the other hand, will be one of the first, if not the first, to respond to such a call. And why is that? It's because I'm a vituity provider. For my job, I stomp out disease and I save lives. Who better to respond to such a call? I've got a great job. What's there not to like about my job? Well, there's actually plenty not to like about my job. (laughs) There's decreased autonomy, decreased respect over the years. How about this one? Death by mouse clicks. And then one more. I think this is a little bit hard to see. Uh, This piece of paper uh, showed up in my mailbox about four and a half years into my practice out of residency. What it is is a judicial summons, and up here it says notice to defendant, and then it has my name. So I've been called many things in my life, some more flattering, others less flattering. I'd have to say defendant is one of the things I least like being called because then I know I'm going to have to deal with some lawyers. Um, I'll tell you real quickly about the case. Uh, Al, who came into RED ED complaining of abdominal pain. She had a normal white count. Uh, she had a CT, which was read as negative. Her ultrasound showed an ovarian cyst and she was actually discharged. She followed up with OB the following day, said she was feeling better. But then, for the rest of the week, continued to kind of experience the pain and got worse and went one more time to OB, this time after the weekend on a Monday. By then, she had ruptured appendicitis. She got admitted to the hospital. She was actually in the hospital for almost a whole month, required uh, take-backs to the OR for washouts. She had uh, anemia, had to get transfused. So it was complicated. So that's what resulted in my little letter in the mail. And so my real talk really is a story about getting sued, and some of the lessons that I learned along the way. And I just want to start by acknowledging that in our line of work, just about every healthcare provider is going to get sued now and then. That's just the fact. And it's an unfortunate fact, and it's an unhappy fact, but it shouldn't keep us from experiencing the pride and joy that we do in our work. So let me tell you just some of the lessons I'll kind of weave in kind of what happened and also some of the insights that I gained along the way during uh, my journey of getting sued. So about depositions. So theoretically, this is what happens during the discovery phase, right? The lawyers are trying to figure out in depositions, they they go around and take different people's stories to try to figure out what happened. They ask a bunch of questions, you give a bunch of answers, and then they ask their ex- experts to, to, to give testimony. And I, I guess, ostensibly what's supposed to be going on is they're supposed to be trying to figure out, like, hey, was there substandard care practiced here? So I thought it was gonna be my chance to tell my story, but for those of you who have been through this, you would know our legal counsel say, no, no, no. Keep, your, keep your answers really brief, answer the question only, don't offer very much, because that lawyer that's asking you those questions, they're just trying to get you to talk so they can use something against you in the future. So it really wasn't my chance to tell a story, nor was it a chance for the lawyers to figure out was the care, like, within standards, substandard or not. They're just trying to figure out, is there money to be made in the case? And so that was kind of a wake-up call for me. Uh So lesson number one, it was just that, that you know, these depositions aren't what I thought they were. In fact, a deposition, and, and a lot of you who've been through it will understand what I'm talking about, it, it's like a game of 20 questions. Except in the real game of 20 questions, right? we ask 20 different questions to try to arrive at truth. Uh, Is the object you're thinking about bigger than a bread box? Is it alive? Is it edible? You just keep asking different questions until you can figure out what's going on. I think a lawyer's idea of 20 questions is they try to ask the same question in 20 different ways to twist the truth, right? They're trying to trap you. And so here's a sample of just how exasperating a deposition can be. It's like, doctor, before you perform the autopsy, did you check a pulse? No. Did you check a blood pressure? No. Did you check for breathing? No. So is it possible then that the patient was still alive when you began the autopsy? No. And how can you be so sure, doctor? Because his brain was sitting in a jar on my desk. (laughs) But could the patient nonetheless have been alive? Yes, I suppose he could have been alive. And practicing law somewhere <laughs> so ridiculous, there the questions. so after all the depositions, I thought you know the truth would come out, and uh, you know they were going to drop the case, um, but that didn't happen, and um, so I had to make a decision: am I going to settle or not, and actually, the decision not to settle wasn't too hard for me. I felt like my care was well within or above standard, and that truth was going to prevail so I kept waiting for them to drop the case. I think they kept waiting for me to offer settlement. Neither of that was happening, so it actually wound up going to court. And so my next lesson is being sued is not a cakewalk. I think in my young naivety, I I just thought, you know, the truth's just going to come out. I'm going to tell my story. People will get it. It's not like that at all. Uh, You know, my, my case lasted two and a half weeks. And if you could just imagine going day after day and hearing some idiot lawyer trying to convince a jury that you, know, you screwed up, you ruined a patient's life. It's, it's, it's hard, right? It's hard to hear. And then that's during the week that you're getting sued, you're going to court every day. And then on weekends, because that's now you're not working your shifts during the week, you're gonna work on weekends trying to take care of patients. So not for the faint of heart, it was certainly uh, more challenging than I had expected it uh, to be. But there are a couple other lessons I learned uh, through the experience. Uh, for me, one was keeping grounded in my faith. And when I say faith, I don't mean like faith that everything's going to work out or faith that it'll be in my favor. I think there's a realization that as much as you think the truth will be told, uh, it's just really surprising how crafty the lawyers can be and how they can spin stories. So there's never that sense of faith that everything's going to be okay, because you just know it may not be. You don't know what the jury's actually hearing. Uh, But for me, faith is that there, faith that there is a God and faith that God can redeem suffering for good. And in fact, as a person of faith, I feel I'm called to look past my own suffering and and recognize and acknowledging the suffering of others. Another thing that I learned through the process was the importance of not getting angry. So this wasn't too hard for me. I didn't get angry at the plaintiff because, you know something, I totally understood why she would think the way she thought, right? She had abdominal pain. She went to see a doctor. You know, they did a bunch of tests, but for whatever reason, she wound up in the hospital for a month. So... So I didn't blame her. I think it's understandable that a layperson would conclude that somebody must have done something wrong. If anything, I blamed her lawyer, who I thought should have given her better advice, like there's nothing really here. Uh, the last lesson I learned was the importance of staying connected. So being sued can be an isolating experience. It can be, but it doesn't have to be. I think when we get sued, it's natural to feel a whole bag of emotions, whether it's uh, shame or concern or just indignance or whatever it is, there can be a temptation to just withdraw. You figure, you know, nobody knows what's going on. You're really just upset about the whole situation, uh, especially uh, friends that are non-medical. How are they going to figure out what this means Or, or even your own spouse? But I chose to stay connected with my spouse. This is my wife Christine and she actually went with me every day for the two and a half weeks for the trial. Um, these are my parents. They didn't attend the whole trial, but actually, as the trial was wrapping up and we were getting to closing arguments, which is basically the last date where the lawyers kind of make their final, final arguments. I gave my parents a call the night before and said, Hey, would you be interested in coming to see final arguments? You know, it's <laughs> kind of weird because I usually invite them to like graduation or <laughs> award ceremony or something I'm like that you want to see me get sued. So anyway. <laughs> The outcome of the case is uh, I wasn't guilty. I was found not guilty. So um, some close friends of mine had this cake made. We had a little celebration. But I'm, the fact that I won this case is not the reason I'm sharing this story with you. Really, what I wanted to share with you about this experience is how it caused me to think about the question, what is success? And in the experience of getting sued, I realized for many lawyers Success is basically scoring cheap points during a deposition, or it's winning a case without regard to the truth. But for us, we define success as delivering exceptional care in our communities. It's transforming healthcare to improve lives. And I can think of no more noble cause. At the end of the day, our jobs involve stomping out, li- uh, stomping out disease and saving lives. You know, stomping out lives, that, that'd be pretty bad. Uh, Now somebody's going to sue me. I know that. (laughs) Our jobs involve stomping out disease and saving lives. Our jobs aren't perfect. No job is perfect. But we can do our work with integrity and with pride, and we can be thankful that we get to do it, even if it does mean that we get sued every now and then. Thank you.
0: David's story sheds light on the fact that Lawsuits really affect the lives of all the people involved. It's a challenge both for the provider, who has sacrificed so much to be able to do the job they do, only to be put on the stand in front of a bunch of strangers and told that they're incompetent and made a terrible mistake. But it's also really awful for the people who are suing the doctor. They're going through something horribly sad, either themselves or with someone they love. And life after that... It's just not really the same for anyone. But it's the lessons you learn, the strength you find going through it, that you have to focus on to be able to get up the next day and continue living without succumbing to the fear of future litigation or mistakes or failure or letting yourself be defined by that experience. Think about a time when you messed up or had an unintended bad outcome in your life. A mistake you made at school or work? Perhaps something totally beyond your control? Or maybe even a time when you were sued? What was that like? How did you feel? And most importantly, what did you learn going through it? Thank you to David Lee for sharing his story with us, to the team at Vituity for their support of this podcast, to Marco Gonzalez, our sound engineer, and to all of you for listening. I'm Alicia, and this is Real Talk. Want to connect with the Real Talk podcast or record your story with us? Head to Vituity.com realtalk for more information, or email us at realtalk at V-I-T-U-I-T-Y.com.